Welcome to the GT Podcast. So, hi everyone. I'm uh, Jamie. Uh, welcome to G2. If anyone is coming for the first time, so I've been. I wanted to be a doctor since I was ten years old. Both my parents are doctors, medical doctors. My younger sister is a doctor. One of my uncles owns and runs a hospital in Vietnam. So, I mean, this is all a bit ridiculous, isn't it? But uh, it's the family trade, what can I say? Uh, when I was at med school, a friend introduced me to software programming and Linux. And you don't know, need to know what that is. But it became a hobby of mine. And I accidentally kind of stumbled into some part-time work running critical server infrastructure at King's College Hospital. Now, oh, thank you for the woo. <laughs> now, if you're thinking that it would be inappropriate for the NHS to hire a medical student part-time with no technology qualifications whatsoever, with no professional experience to run critical server infrastructure in a major London hospital, you'd be 100% correct. <laughs> but hospitals are poor, and I was cheap, so, you know, that happened. And this is bizarre, but I was scouted by Google and Amazon while I was at med school. Oh, thank you for the... And I kind of had to tell them, like, so guys... I'm like, in med school, bro, because that's how they talk in Silicon Valley. And so you're going to have to wait like 40 years till I retire. But if you can wait that long, by all means, keep me on the short list. But the field of medicine is, was my home, and there was no way I was going to leave it, not even for the allure of Silicon Valley. I never for a second considered a change of career. So I graduated, I finished med school, I went to work as a junior doctor, and I loved it. I really loved it. I thrived in the hospital environment. It was such an exciting and varied experience. And I mean, I was in my element, G2. I was in my element. So consider my confusion, my bewilderment, when I felt a calling from God to leave my home in medicine and go into tech. Now, so the year is 2013, I'm 24 years old, don't calculate my age, which I've just realized that's a very easy calculation. I've, <laughs> I've spent 14 years working towards this goal, six years of medical school, and somehow I'm now meant to leave it all behind. So my career path so far had been pretty predictable and comfortable. Okay, yes, lots of hard work, but I always knew what the next step would be. I knew from my parents that, you know, what life as a doctor would be like, what training would be like. And I knew that there was guaranteed career progression, like guaranteed. Unless you're like so bad that you're legally forbidden from practicing as a doctor. And that's why I had to leave medicine. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm in good standing. I, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. But my whole life plan that took me up to retirement was potentially getting turned on its head. And what are you even supposed to do in that situation? Well, one man that knew exactly what to do in this situation, well, a similar situation, was Abraham. Abraham was a huge character in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. 
And in this five-part series, we're going to explore and dig into his life, and particularly at how his life points us forward to Jesus. And there are so many wonderful parallels that we can explore that teach us something about God, that teach us something about Jesus, and about what it means to follow him. Now today, we're looking at the call of Abraham. So Abraham was actually called Abraham before God gave him, a, gave him a new name. So when I say Abraham or Abraham, they are the same person. And to set the scene, we're still quite early on in the book of Genesis. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11 today uh, and 12. So if you want to turn to it, you can, but it will be on the screen too. And uh, in chapters 7, 8, and 9, we read about Noah and the ark and the great flood And Noah had three sons. He was a righteous man, and he had three sons. And one of them, the oldest, was called Shem. And it's Shem's line of descent, his family tree that leads down to Terah, which was Abraham's father, Abraham's father. Okay, so let's read uh, Genesis 11 together, starting from verse 27. This is the account of uh, of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Uh, Next slide. I'll read it from my phone, that might be easier. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now I just want to point out that yes, Nahor did marry his niece, which today would be frowned upon, to say the least, but that was totally normal back then in that culture. And actually, Abram uh, married Sarai, and we later find out that Sarai was Abram's half-sister. But again, totally normal. So overall, this was a, a totally normal family, who li- <laughs> I promise you, who lived in Ur, uh, which is uh, in modern Iraq, if it was yeah, in that region. So, and for some reason, they set out to Canaan. And Canaan, we know, is, was the promised land that God promised to his people, but that hasn't actually happened yet. So we're not quite sure why they're heading to Canaan, but they don't actually get there anyway. They settle in a place called Haran. And uh, Terah and his family, uh, they worship idols, uh, probably the moon god that was popular uh, in that region at the time. And so we don't actually know if Abraham knew of God, of Yahweh, at that point. But in chapter 12, God, Yahweh, speaks to Abraham. So let's read Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, 
all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and A on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. And uh, we thank God for that reading. Now it seems Abraham's whole family and estate was located in this place called Haran. And they had possibly been there for decades, so more than long enough to deeply consider this place home, a place of stability, of familiarity and comfort. But seemingly out of the blue, God speaks to Abraham and asks him to leave his home and venture into the unknown. Now, for many of us, home can mean different things, many different things. You know, some of you may have just moved away from a family home to move to university. For some of us, we might find home in uh, a professional career. And others find home in a community like G2, a friendship group. Now, imagine having to leave one of those places, to set one of those homes aside. Now, I feel like if it was... Uh, one of us, we'd need some time to think about it, right? We need some time to weigh it over. Now, when I felt this calling to uh, a different path, I had, to, I had to think about it for a long time. I was praying about it for two years before I could make a decision. But we see in this passage that Abraham doesn't spend time to weigh anything up. Verses 1 to 3, we see God giving him the calling. In verse 4, so Abraham went just as the Lord commanded. No fanfare, no umming and ahhing, he just goes. What a guy. Now, perhaps he was just a man that thrived on adventure, but I think there's three themes that characterize his response. And as we'll see, these three themes point us towards Jesus, and there's something that we can learn from them. They're relevant to us today. And the first theme is courage. Now, leaving something that we consider home takes courage. Leaving some, a place of familiarity takes courage. Venturing into the unknown takes courage. Now, of course, there are those, those of us that thrive on change and adventure. But I think to some degree, we all appreciate stability, comfort, familiarity. And it took courage for Abraham to leave his life in Haran where he had settled with his whole family and estate and venture out into unfamiliar lands on an uncertain mission. Now, one could argue that Jesus has no need to feel courage because he is all-knowing and all-powerful. But I think in some sense, I personally think, you know, hear me out, that, that Jesus... Now, it took courage for Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth and take a human form and allow himself to feel physical pain. And when he died on the cross, to allow himself to feel separation from God. He did, after all, embrace the human experience 
We see him feel anger in the temple, sorrow for Lazarus, and anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it stands to reason that Jesus intended to feel the full breadth of human emotion. So despite his omniscience and omnipotence, I would say that he demonstrated perfectly as a human what the path of courage looks like. He faced persecution and abuse at every step of his life. And with the threat of violence and torture and imprisonment and death looming. But not once did he let that stop him from teaching, from healing, from speaking truth, from ministering and associating with the people that were condemned by society, with adulterers and prostitutes and, and everyone, tax collectors even. I don't know why I said even. <laughs> Sorry, tax collectors. Uh, but he certainly didn't, and he certainly didn't waver from his journey to die on the cross. He, he knew what would happen eventually. He knew that he would be beaten and stabbed and pinned to a cross to bleed and suffocate and die. But he carried on anyway with courage and conviction. Now, I want to talk about a term which is called biblical foreshadowing. And what that means is it's basically a, a technique that we use to often look at a character in the Old Testament and their life and look at how it points forward, how it foreshadows and mirrors the life of Jesus. So, for example, we have King David, who was a shepherd boy and cared affectionately for his father's flock of sheep. And he later became the king of Israel. And fast forward to Jesus, who was the good shepherd, who looks after us, his sheep, and gives us salvation. And is the king of kings, ruler above all, greater than all others. And so we see these little morsels represented by people, by humans in the Old Testament, that later grow into full glory in Jesus. And that's, and that's biblical foreshadowing. So we see that in Abraham. We see this little morsel of human courage to leave home and follow God. And it points forward to this perfect courage that Jesus would demonstrate on earth as a human. So that's courage. Now the second theme is faith. Abraham showed incredible faith to follow God's instructions and depend upon his promises. Now, in this chapter, I don't see a written contract, and I don't see any legal recourse if God was to rescind his promises. I don't see a deposit that can be returned, but Abraham went anyway. Now, Abraham didn't actually understand the whole picture. Right? He didn't fully understand the why when God asked him to leave home and become the father of many nations. But Abraham had faith, and off he went. Now, one dictionary definition of faith is complete trust. I just want to make clear, I did already know what faith means. But sometimes uh, I find dictionary definitions can be thought-provoking. Uh, I realize how much of a nerd that makes me sound, and I, <laughs> I am a nerd, so that's fine. 
but complete trust. Now, Abraham is often revered as a man of great faith. And this chapter is a prime example of it. But there are moments later in Abraham's life where we do see him have doubts, where we see him take matters into his own hands, where we see him question God, looking for reassurance. And that's totally okay. You know, as humans, we inevitably have doubts. Human faith is imperfect. And Abraham was human, like the rest of us. But this morsel of human faith that he showed in following God was just a taster of the perfect model of faith that we see demonstrated in Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't have faith in the same way that we do because, well, he is God. And so there's no kind of believing without seeing the evidence. He is the evidence. But I I think there's a case to be made that in coming to earth, he... In coming to earth, he demonstrated through his earthly life and his relationship with the Father, this complete, 100% trust, complete obedience. And what an example that is. An example that we can never live up to, but what an example nonetheless. He had perfect trust to the Father, even as he faced suffering and death, not once doubting the path he had to take. So courage, faith, finally, surrender. Abraham may have had courage, and he may have had faith, but he still had to choose to surrender the stability of home in Haran. He possibly had to be ready to surrender the respect of his peers as he worshipped a different god. He, who knows what other personal plans and ambitions he had to set aside And he had to surrender even control, mastery over his own life. Well, this was just a little morsel, a little morsel of human surrender that points forward to our wonderful Savior, Jesus, who surrendered his life on the cross that we might be set free from sin. There has never been and will never be a greater surrender than that. I mean, I feel like we need to just let that sit, right? The magnitude of that. There will never be and has, and has never been a greater surrender than this. Now, when I was called on a different path, one of the things I really couldn't get my head around was the why. You know, I'd worked so hard to become a doctor for so long, and I was literally helping sick people every day. And now I'm meant to go into a field where I don't even necessarily need a degree at all. I'm going to be sitting in front of a computer at a small tech firm in New York. Like, in what world does this make any sense? But, and unlike, well, unlike Abraham, it took me two years to finally take that leap in 2015. Little did I know it wouldn't be until six years later in 2021 that... God would finally reveal more of the why to me. But in those six years, I had to keep going forwards in faith that God had a plan for me. It didn't make sense. I couldn't really explain it to people, to my parents, not even really to myself. But I had to, well, I struggled, but I had to choose to keep going. And in 2019, 
I left that small tech company because I felt a calling into the charity sector. And I thought, okay, maybe this is making more sense now. But I struggled to get my foot in the door, and I discovered there are almost zero tech jobs in the charity sector, let alone the Christian charity sector. And what jobs I did see, I was massively overqualified for. I mean, I applied to them anyway, they didn't even reply, I'm not bitter at all. But <laughs> fast forward, and I'm, I'm just failing completely at that, so I set it aside. And I, in 2020, I park this calling and go back into tech, into what I know and where I can get a job. And in 2021, a year and a half later, I'm not even looking for a job at this point. I'm happy where I am. I've parked this calling. I'm not knocking on that door for a while. But out of nowhere, a global Christian charity headquartered in America who have a startup team of four people that just seemingly at random are based in Yorkshire, because that's the tech hub of the world, and they are looking for someone with exactly my area of expertise who is a Christian. Right, this is, I mean, this is a miracle, right? I'm still in disbelief. So unbeknownst to me, God had been preparing me for this role, had been preparing my skills and experience so he could put it to work for his kingdom. Now, I'll be honest, when I was applying for those charity jobs and I was getting rejected left, right, and center, I was confused and, admit it, even angry at God. I was like, I am trying to respond to this calling, God, but why are you not opening any doors for me? This doesn't make any sense. So by no means am I an example, a model example of courage, faith, or surrender. And I haven't gone on to be the father of many nations either. Yet, there's still time, G2. But I tell this story to hopefully illustrate that God weaves his tapestry unbeknownst to us. And the part we each have to play in his kingdom is not always clear. But if we take a step towards courage, if we take a step out of our home. So this uh, rectangle on the floor was meant to be my home, as you can see. <laughs> and sometimes if we take a step of courage, a step of faith, and a step of surrender, we can discover and may find ourselves surprised at God's love or God's provision, God's grace or God's answers to our prayers. Now, courage, faith, and surrender. How do they apply to us? Now, we're not all going to be called to leave the country or have a massive career change. If we did, there wouldn't be a G2 left, so I hope we don't all leave the country. But the calling I want to talk about is our calling to leave our old life behind and follow Jesus and to make him our home. Yes, in a literal sense, Abraham did leave his geographical home in Haran. But looking at it figuratively, God was asking Abraham to leave his old life without God and begin a new life with God as his home. I've got a couple of more passages to read, short passages. So the first is Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
And Paul writes in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we are called to leave our old life of sin, to leave the ways of the world behind, and instead, with repentance, to live our lives for Jesus, to make Jesus our home. It takes courage to take that first step, to ask someone about God, to open a Bible, to visit church for the first time, to join a small group. It takes courage to do that, especially in a world where religion in general is increasingly scorned. It takes courage to step away from what you know, from the familiar, to step into the unknown where you might feel lost or out of your depth or vulnerable. It takes faith not to turn back. It takes faith to continue on into the unknown. It takes faith to keep heading towards Jesus even when we've got hurdles. And we are called to surrender ourselves to God, to surrender our own will as Abraham did in favor of God's will and to put God first and trust in his plan and provision, even when the path forwards may seem unclear or difficult. This surrender is certainly easier said than done, but it is an act of trust, love, and obedience to God. In that courage, in that faith, in that surrender, we discover the transformative power of life in Jesus. Now, this call isn't a one-and-done kind of thing. We have a continual calling to discover more and more of Jesus and to walk more closely with him. Like any relationship, there are ups and downs, and it needs work. And we can all benefit from having the courage to take that step for Jesus. Whether that's telling a friend about faith, joining a small group, serving a team at church, giving generously, committing time for prayer, giving something up. We can all benefit from having faith as we venture into the unknown. Having faith in Jesus and his promises. Having faith that Jesus' love for us is guaranteed. And we can all benefit from surrendering more of ourselves to Jesus. Now, there are always parts of our lives that we hold back from God. I do it. We all do it. It's in our nature. But the more we surrender to Jesus, the more freedom we can discover. Now, we can't do this alone. But God knows that. And he makes it clear that we can lean on him, that he can be our strength. When we're feeling afraid, we can lean on him. When we're feeling doubts, we can lean on him. When we're afraid to let go, we can lean on him. You know, when we're stepping out, we're not stepping out into an abyss. We are stepping out in confidence that Jesus is walking with us. We are stepping out with confidence that our identity in Christ is solid ground. We are stepping out knowing that wherever we go, Jesus is our home. 
Now, maybe some of you have a story of courage or of faith or of surrender. Maybe some of you are visiting church for the first time or have just started a courageous journey of discovery. And for any of those stories, you know, praise God. But as we finish, I'd like to ponder on whether there is an area of your life that could benefit from a little bit of courage or a little bit of faith or a little bit of surrender. Maybe you're afraid or unsure about inviting a friend to church or joining a small group or giving financially or afraid to step out of a comfort zone or a place of familiarity. Maybe you're unsure about sharing your testimony or about praying with other people or about certain people finding out that you're a Christian. Maybe you're afraid to commit to a church or to stand up for your beliefs in a particular environment. Pray into that and ask for courage. Maybe you don't quite trust that God will have a path laid out for you. Like I had many doubts when I was praying for those two years. Maybe you're not quite sure if God is listening to your prayers or not quite sure about his provision as you step into the unknown. Or you navigate a career change or you face parental challenges or you face health challenges or you have a spiritual dry spell or you're facing persecution even. Pray into that and ask for faith. Maybe there is something in your life that you're holding back from God, that you don't quite want to commit to God, that you don't quite want to give up, but that you feel in your heart maybe there's something there, that, you know, an inkling from God that maybe you should do something about it, whether that's time or money or an ambition or an unhealthy relationship with something or someone or cultural expectations, or even pride. You know, that pride can be hard to surrender sometimes. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe you're wondering whether to follow Jesus, and you're not sure if you can leave your old life behind. Pray into that. Pray into that. And ask God to help you surrender to him. Now, Abraham was called to leave his home. Jesus was called to leave heaven, and we are called to leave our old lives behind and discover the transformative power of life in Jesus. In courage, in faith, and in surrender, we can be transformed and discover more and more of Jesus. Amen.